The following was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic through Zoom meetings in accordance with local health guidelines. I'm Mike Maloney and welcome to the CSRM Tuesday Talk, a monthly roundtable discussion covering a range of relevant topics in ministry and current events. Let's join Dr. Greg Linville, Dan Stoffer, and Greg English as we hear from international experts in the fields of sports, recreation, and fitness ministry. I'm going to start to have our co-conversationalists begin to introduce themselves uh, in just a moment. But I first of all want to introduce Greg English, who needs no introduction to most of us. But uh, Greg has joined Dan Stouffer and myself in helping to coordinate these Tuesday talks. And uh, Dan and I realized that scripture that the threefold is not easily broken. However, that scripture says that. And we were just two, so we needed a third. And uh, we needed somebody, at least from my perspective, that was smarter and, and better looking. And so, uh, Greg, we asked to, to come along and come along and be one of our our coordinators for this and our and our conveners on, on these calls. So, Greg, bring people up to date with you because you're in some transition as well. Uh, so, like uh, the way I was able to serve on the board and president of CSRM for seven years is just Greg told me I was doing it similar to that introduction. So. <laughs> Uh, that's, how, that's how it works and just uh, the way it goes. Uh, so I've been in sports ministry for about 20 years, both uh, international and national experience. Um, and uh, international experience was in a closed country environment in the 1040 window uh, there, where I first engaged with CSRM and, and Greg and um, had a real good partnership, partnership there. And then came back to the States and I've uh, been at Cool Spring Baptist Church for 12 years uh, in sports and recreation ministry. And then uh, just this past Monday, I had the privilege of watching uh, a young man that's worked for me for seven years become uh, the new director of recreation and fitness. And then I just trans transitioned into uh, strategy and development for the uh, total church body. So uh, I'll still be able to play for a living just at a different level, but um, I've been able to teach sports and recreation at a um, local college and be part of some different projects. So just a real love and passion for me. Well, welcome and particularly uh, as a uh, convener and helping to make these things happen. And, and so uh, let me turn it now to the panelists that are the co-conversationalists today and let them introduce themselves. So let's start, Kelly, with you. 
Sure, yes. Uh, good afternoon, I think now <laughs> that it is. Um, my name again is Kelly Zimmerman and um, served in a variety of capacities, I guess, as far as lay and vocational ministry. Um, so I've been a growth pastor at um, a church where I oversaw uh, group ministry, outreach, um, both local and global missions, um, and pastoral care. Um, and then have launched several teams as far as like a next steps types type of ministry. Um, I am a groups director and um, outreach support at our church currently. Um, I co-founded a nonprofit uh, with one of my best friends about, gosh, we're about seven years ago now. And um, one of our lanes, I guess, if you will, is we uh, facilitate a freezer meal, freezer meal ministry. Uh, where people are going to share stories on our website and we take them a week's worth of meals. But then our other lane is just really trying to equip um, people to live um, intentionally the small moments of life, to be the light uh, in the world. And we do execute, uh, we have now, let's see, this will be our sixth year, albeit virtual, this year a 5K on uh, January 1st. So it's kind of our way to encourage people to put a stake in the ground for the year um, and both serve and um, take that health uh, perspective. At the start of the year, we have a um, meal packing kind of component to that where we pack meals as a component with the race to impact the homeless in our community. Very good. We're glad you're with us today. Thank so you. Dan, unmute yourself and uh, introduce yourself. Dan Kim Watson. Yeah, hi, my name is Dan. Um, I'm here in the uh, National Football Hall of Fame city of Canton, Ohio. And uh, we got our first snow today. And so uh, for those of you in California or other places, you don't have to deal with that. Um, but yeah, I'm the director of sports ministry at First Friends Church. And um, yeah, just have the pr privilege of uh, leading this this ministry and um, which has been just a beacon of light to this community for for 60 plus years and so uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege to step in uh, but I think my biggest accomplishment is being um, yeah husband to my wife and then now we have three daughters and so uh, that's that's takes up the majority of my time and mental space and energy and so um, that's where I'm at. And how old is the youngest one? Are you getting any uh, sleep yet? Uh, so we have a two-month-old, uh, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and a four-year-old, basically four. She's, she'll be four in January. So no. no. Yeah. Well, welcome, Dan. And Thank you. Paul, introduce yourself. Yeah, hi. I'm, I'm uh, Paul Steen. I'm out in the Los Angeles area. Uh, no snow here. We get to look at the mountains to uh, see the snow or drive up there, but we're not burdened with that at all. Uh, I'm a, a pastor of a Trinity Baptist Church in uh, Downey, California, a suburb of L.A., probably 15 minutes over to L.A. Uh, I've been burdened for uh, lost people most of my life and uh, have served in a couple of local churches. Uh, uh, the church that I started sports ministry in uh, about over 20 years ago, uh, was a local uh, church here in town that had uh, suffered decline 
And uh, the pastor, uh, I was doing college ministry, and he asked me about sports, and I, my, you know, of course, you know, let's do it. You know, I had run the, the city sports league for a number of years, and he knew that. So he, uh, he asked if I could uh, come up with a plan and come up with an idea to do it. So we did that, and uh, that church was able to, uh, to blossom and become uh, fruitful one more time. And then uh, uh, I was at uh, Talbot and uh, to, uh, School of Theology at Biola University. I taught uh, Christian ed and sports ministry there. They only did sports ministry one time because when we ran the class, we only had like 15 people sign up. So they said, we can't afford to do that again. Uh, but I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed doing that, and I continued uh, teaching uh, Christian education there. Uh, and that's where I got my, my uh, uh, degrees, too, there. Uh, and then I'm now at a, a local church, uh, for the uh, Trinity Baptist Church in the same town that I was uh, so many years ago. Uh, and just uh, it, it's a, a church that was ready to close. So I've been at a, uh, I'm at a small church, a smaller church. Uh, but I've been at a, I would say, like a medium-sized church uh, that was able to grow and, and more than double in size. And the same things happened at the smaller church. Uh, and I would have to credit, uh, if I had to pick one thing other than the Holy Spirit, you know, that we're relying on him for everything that takes place, I'd have to credit sports minister for doing that. I'm naturally outreach-focused, and this is a natural way to do it. I've also uh, done a, a sports ministry in, in, uh, as big as I could in a big way uh, up in the migrant work camps. The, the, uh, uh, in California, we depend on our agriculture really depends on migrant uh, farm workers coming over from Mexico and uh, the state runs some camps. They have 19 camps uh, in the state. Uh, and uh, I kind of adopted uh, one of the camps and I would take a group of people anywhere from, I've done it with as little, as little as about 18 people to about as many as 45 people and go up and work in the camps and spend uh, 10, 10 days or so there. Uh, and without sports ministry, and we would, we would do other things in sports, but without sports ministry, that would have just been a complete flop. So I've seen just uh, in that situation, just hundreds of people uh, come to Christ through the use of sports in these migrant camps, because it's just a natural. And in the, and in the local church, I've, I would say I've seen thousands of people come to Christ uh, over the years uh, because of sports ministry. Well, we're glad all, all of you are with us. And obviously, I think we know, but we reiterate the fact that today we're trying to focus in on a conversation on how do we move people from the, the field or the the gym, you know, or the fitness class, and how do we actually get them from there into our sanctuary, into the body life of our church? How, how do we how do we get that? In, in the book, Sports Outreach Fundamentals, again, if you can get uh, through the, the website that, that Dan has been putting up on the chat room, we talk about two disconnects. The first one is to get people from the community into your sports rec and fitness. And how do we do that? We're assuming that we've already done that. That's not the focus for this. The second disconnect is how do we get them, once we get them in the sports rec and fitness, how do we get them into the body life of the church? And so we're asking our conversationalists today to help us think about this in, in some ways in terms of best practices, protocols, policies, relationships, however they want to go. And so that's that's where our conversation is going to, to go here. I'm going to ask the panelists to, to first of all, sh share a little bit in just a moment about when you have seen that work 
getting people from wherever to wherever, what were the what were the major criteria or what were the basic rudimentary elements that needed to be there that made that happen? What what makes that transition happen? Uh, and and as you get ready to think about that and answer that, welcome to all those of you that have joined and we ask everybody to mute themselves uh, so that we don't get any background. And also, go into the chat room and just introduce yourself to us. And if you've just started in, you can scroll back through the, through the uh, chat room and you can see the other folks that are here where you're at. And William, we're, we're glad that, that you did not do that when you were driving on your way to your office. So we're glad that you made it safe and now you can do that. But any of the, uh, any of the conversationalists here, what was it that was so impactful that helped move somebody from the field into the sanctuary? In your experience, what's 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 the key components for that? Well, I can uh, say uh, from my experience, it starts before you ever see the sports ministry seasons begin. It, is, it starts with your planning. Uh, that you adopt a purpose, you focus on a purpose of what you, who you're trying to reach. For us, uh, at the, at my, now this is my experience trying to rebuild two different churches, uh, de defining the target, planning on it, how we're going to reach the target. And then once that's been uh, decided upon and agreed, and this is after prayer and just, and just uh, asking the Lord to guide, uh, then it becomes more of a natural thing that everything you do is related to those target people. So it's, I think it's a focus uh, on people that you've decided you're trying to reach. Not that we would ignore anybody, but that you are gearing uh, uh, everything you do other than the sport itself, that you're gearing everything you, you do this peripheral towards that target group. I think it starts before the season starts. Excellent. Others? I would, I would agree with that. Um, I always like to think of a story. Uh, his name is Matt Sutter. He's our director of soccer. He oversees our soccer program. Um, but when our church was at a different site, uh, he and his family were looking for uh, a church to be a part of. Um, and I think it was one of the first few Sundays that they visited the church. And um, uh, somebody from the front made an announcement that, hey, we have a hockey team here at the church. Um, and that's the one thing literally that captured him and said, Hey, this is our home church. Cause he had enjoyed being there a couple Sundays before. Uh, but knowing that there was something specifically for him, uh, uh, he was able to connect. Uh, but that's kind of a unique story. But I think the biggest thing for us that I've seen, um, is, is a relationship, um, either with directors of leagues or with people from our church where somebody could say, Hey, come to church with me. Um, and come and connect in our body. And so when somebody new walks into our facility uh, to worship, they don't feel like an outsider. They know somebody, uh, that they're sitting next to someone, that there's been uh, an invitation. And so um, I think just in my short experience here at First Friends, that's, that's what I've seen, is that uh, people who are playing in our leagues from our church invite others who uh, are looking for a church um, or don't have a church home. Um, and just having that point of connection. So relationship is key for me. 
Kelly, you're muted. We need you to. When you when you when you see this working, what what are the components that make it work? For you to me, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously a little bit of a different perspective. Um, not had a lead role in sports ministry while my family has certainly participated um, in sports and sports ministry. But I think um, a little bit as I reflected again, just those next steps and connections when I've seen an impact, it might even one that might relate anyhow, is just more through that lens of community impact. So where are we showing up? Where are we a true partner to the city, uh, both in the sports um, arena and otherwise? So um, my perspective is when we approach our city um, sports leagues, the city events and everything like that from how can we add value um, because we love this community. Um, I've seen that have the greatest impact on, again, just being people being drawn uh, to the church in more of an organic way because we're showing up to serve. We're showing up to partner. We're showing up to elevate and add value where I think sometimes um, churches can be seen as bringing competing um, sports, uh, leagues, and options, and in some cases, that doesn't add value, maybe, um, to the community. So just kind of a different perspective um, that I've seen work really well is how can we serve um, our city, our community, our sports leagues uh, from that angle? Certainly have uh, more ways to weigh in on that, but just a, a short answer there. Well, that helps. Uh, make the program attractive, everything that Kelly has talked about, it, it makes the program attractive. Uh, and, and then the, the step, and that draws people, and you've got to have that first draw or you don't have any opportunity to bring them into the church. Uh, once they're there, I think Dan hit it, you know, you've got to build the relationships and, uh, and form tight bonds with people as fast as you can because you only have a season to, to make or break it, you know. And in fact, if the league doesn't run well, you'll never see the people again anyway. So you've just got to do everything with excellence and with the full commitment. Uh, I, I think it's also uh, part of the uh, recruitment effort for who's your volunteers, who's running the actual sports program, that they are not necessarily called to kind of, uh, come in and coach a team or uh, or run a basketball league or anything like that, but that it's more fundamental than that, that when you uh, are recruiting the right people, uh, not that we know who the right ones are, the Lord knows who, who we should be after as, as far as uh, having them coach and things, but that we approach them from the aspect of being ministers. Uh, I can tell you in all the years I've done this, which is a long, long time, I've really never made uh, an appeal to someone to coach. I've made an appeal to someone to minister. We'd like to be involved in ministry. And, uh, and I can kind of describe them. You're going to have a group of people and you're going to have, uh, you know, parents, and you're going to have kids, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. Uh, and, and, uh, most people hearing that if they're, if they're, uh, uh, you know, love the Lord in, in the least, they can say, wow, you mean I can play sports and I can be a minister because the, idea of building relationships has to be with people that you love and doing something that you love uh, becomes a natural thing. So uh, I, I think that Dan uh, just hits it right off the bat that it's all about building relationships. But I, but I do think it's more than that too, but I, but I think that's a really key part, Dan. Let me ask you three to give your top three in terms of 
obstacles for the person who is far from Jesus, far from the church, but really in the sport of fitness, and they're coming to your facility, they're coming to your program, what are the top three obstacles that keep them from going over that second disconnect into church life? What are your top three obstacles that, that those people have? Wow. Well, okay, listen, <laughs> we've only got a short time, so I'll jump in. I think that the, 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 in my area, uh, there's been a, uh, I'm just going to mention the top obstacle, maybe not the top three because it was such a huge obstacle. Uh, that's, we had to deal with this. Uh, the church uh, that I originally started doing uh, sports ministry and some uh, over 20 years ago uh, had declined uh, by about 60% from its heyday. And uh, the church had failed to adapt to the community. Uh, it, had, it was a, a great church. It was a church that had great teaching. Uh, but it was a church that had become inwardly focused, and the uh, people all looked the same. They, they had been there forever for many, many years. They were uh, uh, ethnically, they were uh, Caucasian people, in general, Caucasian people. In fact, almost exclusively in the first church. Second church, absolutely exclusively. Uh, and the uh, area had changed. The suburbs of uh, Los Angeles had changed, become uh, heavily Latino. And here we were, a, a white church in a Latino area, 88% Latino. Uh, we loved living there, my wife and, and us and my kids. We all loved it. Uh, but the church uh, had failed to embrace the change uh, and, uh, in fact, showed, showed some signs of they didn't like the change. That was a huge, huge obstacle. That's the biggest one, and I faced it twice. And it's, not so, it's not so I, I, much... That in the city leagues too. The city leagues here uh, in in our town uh, had become totally uh, inwardly focused as well. We're just talking. We're not talking spiritual stuff. We're just saying who was playing in them. Well, it's the people that look like me, uh, and that's not who was living here any longer. So, so I so one of, it three times. One of the obstacles is not so much the people that are you're. We're trying to get across that disconnect. The obstacle was the people of whom they might join. Excellent. Kelly, Dan, what are, the, yeah, what are I, the top obstacles? I haven't really thought through a top three, but I think one of the greatest that I've experienced is just what people think the church wants from them. So um, when you think through a traditional, you know, maybe um, ministry, sports organization, um, at least once, again, I've participated in or have seen work through some of the churches that we've been a part of is, right, and it's all good intention and a good plan, um, but there's this consistent devotional that's happening um, throughout the season. There is a sports Sunday. We're going to celebrate this and invite everyone to come to the church. And again, I think that holds value and it's great celebration for the church body to experience. But I don't know that that is the best way to move people from the field to the sanctuary. Um, they think you want them there, you know, for a don't a donation that Sunday or um, just all these other things. And so one thing I felt like could be a gift to um, sports ministers, again, because I'm not really in that um, specifically, is a book that I just love. I really think it's a gift to any church um, ministry, um, also to family. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever read The Power of Moments, um, but the bottom line is our lives are 
filled with defining moments. And the kind of the premise of the book is that we can create those, we can build those. And I think the old quote of nobody cares how much you know um, until they know how much you care is just so important here and just would encourage everyone to think through how can you break the script? on these moments. So um, I think there's so many throughout a season um, that we can elevate, again, an experience. We can bring a moment of pride differently than a trophy for, or a medal, you know, for a kid. How can we celebrate them in a way maybe they're not being celebrated anywhere else in their lives? Um, there's two more. I kind of made some notes because I thought I might forget them, but um, connection, obviously the biggest one. Um, and then again, insight. How can we lead people to have these aha kind of moments maybe in their lives and in their families? What are they missing? Oh, this community has this thing that's missing in my life to offer. Um, I think just a variation on how to create these connections for our coaches sometimes. I know my husband is a coach of several different sports for our kids. And even before we had kids, he was coaching um, in and outside the church. And, um, you know, there's just so much you're doing. You're trying to tell the families about the next thing. You're trying to win. Um, you're trying to invest in these kids. And one thing when I mentioned this thought to him, he's like, that would be so helpful. Um, so not just the ministry director, but uh, the one, I guess, words I put to this is, can we have like a a ministry chaplain or a pastoral care coach for coaches. So in other words, I want to equip my coaches at some point throughout the season. What questions can I have you asking the kids or maybe even the parents, depending on, you know, what the league is or what the age group is that I might be able to uncover a pain point in their lives, because if we can show up in that space, um, I think again, if we can show that as the church, we care about the people and not about getting them to our building, um, it goes a long way. And uh, people are in pain, they're hurting, single parent families, right? We uncover some of these things throughout seasons anyways, but how can we just be really intentional on maybe meeting a need? Again, just a quick example, if I know there's a single parent family or someone's away or whatever, you know, there's just a, a tough time. If my coach sent to my home a card, a handwritten card with a pizza gift card in it, man, I think that would impact me a great deal. And again, that's just something simple, but think through how can we flip the script on some of the expectations families have about what the church wants from them? Dan, obstacles? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree uh, with both those answers more, and especially Paul. Uh, I moved from Los Angeles about a year ago, uh, so I'm very familiar with your, your area, Downey and Paramount, and uh, I was in La Mirada, that's where I lived, uh, so I'm very familiar with Biola. And Los Angeles is just a rapidly changing place constantly, and so you have to keep up with the change demographically and culturally, et cetera. And so when I came here, one of the first things that I did notice is that um, our leagues are very diverse um, and, and it depends on um, which league you're in. Um, but then when I looked at the church itself, it's like 98% white. Um, and so one of the things that I've been just hammering home and I feel like I've been beating a dead horse, but it hasn't been that difficult because that's something that the whole church has had to deal with um, as a country um, is this idea of racial reconciliation. And I think uh, that is one of the biggest obstacles here is that um, there's just a lack of diversity. And so 
Um, when I look at um, <clears throat> when I look at uh, our, our our leagues, uh, and I'm rubbing shoulders with you know these black men and, and women, um, and then they ask me, "Hey, what kind of church is this? Do you guys just sing hymns, and do you just?" They they think of just a a, a traditional, uh, archaic kind of hey you go and you wear white robes and you just sit quietly and that's how they they thought our church was uh, and so I think the diversity is a big piece of it but also just a definition of like who are we um, and I really liked um, uh, what 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 um, Kelly said about how can we add value to the city so are we asking the question like who are we to the city of Canton? Uh, and what value do we bring to the city of Canton? Um, and so having these really difficult conversations that address the issues of our community, it, you know, the, the township that we live in uh, has become very diverse. Um, but again, our church doesn't reflect that. And so how do we answer those questions? So we've been doing some metrics and trying to figure out where do, actually, where do people come from that attend our church, that, attend, that, that participate in our sports ministry programs um, and, and trying to figure that out. But then the last thing that I would say too, it was just, it's just how do we define outreach? Uh, and Kelly, I think you, you, you hit it hard is, is, is what, what is truly outreach? Is outreach just bringing a bunch of people here to play sports and then we get a pat on the back and say, hey, good job. Um, or is there a deeper level that we need to teach our people in our church to see that this is an, an outreach opportunity that the, the, that you can be a missionary on our campus, uh, that the mission field is coming to us. Uh, and so how can we be intentional in helping teach our people uh, in our congregation to actually go out on the soccer field? You don't have to coach the sport. You don't have to play the sport, but my goodness, you can love on the parents. You can uh, adopt a team and pray for them. You can, uh, there's a myriad of things that, that um, you can do to, to support uh, those families and those individuals that come onto our uh, our property. Uh, and so for me, uh, personally, just in my position here, that's what we're doing. And COVID has actually been a, a blessing in that it's given us a chance to step back and to evaluate and to look at how uh, we can step into those areas uh, to help, um, you know, create kind of a comprehensive uh, view of outreach uh, and to, to invite other people to do that. And so these these are huge obstacles for me. It, it, the diversity is a big piece. Um, uh, a lot of the young folks and a lot of the people of color, they're not going to come worship here if they don't feel like their issues are not valued. Uh, and so that's a big deal. And that's something that I'm just going to keep harping on until my time is, until they kick me out of here. I don't know. So I would love to piggyback on that, Dan. I think, you know, that is just so wise to sit, you know, in this space and really dig into that. One thing I just reflected on, as I know, you know, is the heart here is we want to equip and release, right, people for ministry. And one thing I think is so interesting, and maybe it's because I've uh, overseen groups ministry, and that will just make you flat out knock your head against a wall. <laughs> but, um, but part of that, right, the frustration, if you will, in that, that I have felt is how it doesn't completely line up with discipleship in some regards, in many regards, is we work so hard to move people from the circles they're in to new circles, instead of really equipping and releasing people as a minister to circles people are in. So in some regard, I think sports ministry 
is light years ahead of really the body, they're already in a circle. So one question I might throw is, why do you want to move them into rows just to get them back in a different circle? Um, I just think there is so much intentionality that can be taken. Um, people are in a mission field already. They're in a circle of influence in your sports ministry circles. So how can we disciple them, invest in them spiritually so they feel a part of this body um, instead of how do I get them into the rows? Uh, just, just a thought. I think it's a, I want to move them from this circle to the rows to maybe a new group circle. Um, that's just pain all the way around <laughs> when again, they're already in a circle. So let's minister to them, release ministers uh, to them in the circles they're in. That's a real ideal, uh, Kelly. It's, it's, it's just well said. Uh, here was my uh, problem uh, when we first started doing uh, uh, a sports ministry. Uh, I had marching orders uh, from the senior pastor of what I was supposed to accomplish. And it wasn't building uh, disciples outside the church. It was bringing people into the church. He wanted to fill the church back up. And because uh, it had been full, you know, and, and it had decreased so drastically. So I, uh, it, it, I think it depends on what your goal is. So one of my goals, uh, you know, just setting, setting goals of what we're trying to accomplish, I, I went to uh, the senior pastor uh, uh, after I kind of developed the plan, and I, I told him, uh, listen, uh, I think I can get people into the church one time. You have to do something to keep them here. And, we, and he said, okay, I'll accept that. If you can get them here, he says, I'll work at keeping them here. So that was kind of like my marching orders at that point. I had set myself up that this is what I had to do. But that's what my, I was instructed to do as well. Let me tell you one, one other thing. Uh, there's probably more than this, but one other thing that uh, I regard as an obstacle uh, in Southern Cal, uh, uh, Dan, as you are aware, uh, as the uh, Latino population has increased to, uh, to be the largest, uh, the largest group uh, of people living in, in the five southern counties of California now, uh, they're by far, they're the, dominant, they're the dominant people group here, that uh, they were heavily Catholic, very, very heavily Catholic. And we, I was at a Baptist church. I'm still at a Baptist church. It's a different one. But the word Baptist had, uh, has connotations that was a huge problem in Southern California. How do you deal with that? Uh, if you're not, you're not going to change the name of the church. Now that church from 20 years ago just changed its name. But I, I didn't have the luxury of going in and saying, Pastor, we need to change the name. But we did discuss that. Uh, but the reality was, no matter what the name was, it was a Baptist church. It belonged to a Baptist association. Uh, it had Baptist theology. And the Catholics had been uh, taught by their, uh, by their priests that Baptists are bad people. This was a huge obstacle. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't even feel very comfortable at first coming, getting Latinos to come to the church to play. We were playing basketball in the church gym. Uh, and there was a little bit of discomfort just getting them in the gym. But then there was more discomfort when you talked to them about going to the church. It became, I think, obvious to me that something had to be done to bridge the gap uh, that, had, that they had just found themselves in. They had just learned that this is a bad thing to go to a Baptist church. It, anyway, that was an issue. Different religion. I, I, and, and other than Catholics, but Catholics uh, in our town, 
70, 70%, we have about 110,000 people living in Downey. Uh, about 70% of them are unchurched. Absolutely no church affiliation. If they died, they wouldn't know who to call to bury them. But of the remaining 30%, it was overwhelmingly Catholic. Overwhelmingly. So evangelicals were, were down around uh, like not even 5% of the total population. So it, it was an issue. So let me remind you just to uh, drop some questions in uh, to the chat line there, and we'll be able to call those out. We do have a question that I want to bring uh, about, which is a, a good question, and uh, a question I thought about, Kelly, while you were uh, speaking to that. Um, I, lo I love the idea that people are already in, in a place, and we do work so hard to get them out of a, a, a passion spot to try to force them into something else. Uh, I want to talk a little bit further about some COVID obstacles as we move along, but I want to ask this one uh, particular question here, and this question is, do we always want to bring people to church? Is that usually the first approach? What if people are so opposed to church? Has anyone done anything in an intermediate type of way? So how about some questions to that, answers to that question? Well, you've got to, and I don't want to monopolize. Every, you know, Dan and Kelly just jump in. Uh, you have to have, I, I think, uh, some other way of, of uh, something in between to answer the question. I, I don't know if you have to have it, but it's certainly a, a big advantage if you have something between the gym and the sanctuary. Uh, the, uh, one of the biggest things uh, in, that early, uh, in my early years there was uh, that I had the, the absolute support, strong, very strong support of the senior pastor. Uh, and we realized that before the uh, league began that we wanted to move people to some intermediate spot that would be uh, kind of like Kelly's, uh, you know, the, the uh, idea of circles, that we wanted some circle other than, other than basketball. We wanted a different circle with a little bit more of a spiritual. Uh, and I'm not talking, I'm not saying that we didn't do things that were spiritual in basketball. We did, we were focused on doing that. But uh, another place for them before just launching them into the church. So uh, he, he, the senior pastor started what he called a, a welcome class. So he would come, uh, we'd give him the microphone at the games. Uh, he would introduce himself. He would bring uh, staff uh, different weeks. Uh, he would invite people to come to what he was calling the welcome class. It happened to meet on Sunday morning before church. And uh, we, we started having, uh, uh, that very first year, we started having about 75 to 80 people show up on Sunday morning because they wanted to hang out with these other people in this welcome class. So that there was an intermediate uh, uh, place to do that. And I think it's fairly important to have a place like that where people can just be themselves. Uh, and then you're not dragging them to church. I'll just go to the next step, right? You're not dragging them to church uh, at that point. Uh, when, the, when the end of that, of that little uh, fellowship time, of course, they didn't, we, we've never called it a fellowship time, you know, with non-believers. But uh, at the end of that class, I guess we would say, you know, donuts and coffee and the stuff that these people like, uh, we would just say, well, we're going to go over uh, to worship and uh, let's, let's go now. And we would literally just take them. They would go with us because they'd been in the class and go in by, by, by big numbers out of the 75 people. They would just walk over to the sanctuary with us and sit down. We'd, and we'd have some, some rows reserved and we'd sit with them and just kind of be, becoming friends, building relationships, uh, being intentional in what we're doing, and then uh, slowly moving them into the church. Not slowly. It, it happened in a pretty rapid way. But there was this key group. Uh, that was between the, the, the initial circle and the, and the rows, as Kelly says, there was this other circle that, that uh, helped an awful lot. 
I'll tell you one other thing. Again, I don't want to monopolize. I'm just giving you my, my uh, what I, as I remember things and, and to think about it. Uh, after our first season uh, uh, was done, uh, we didn't know what to expect. And so we had a, a closing ceremony, as you're probably familiar with that, uh, like upper basketball would do. Now, we, we didn't use upper basketball, but, but we uh, decided we would, we would host a, a big celebration and hand out trophies and all that, get people, get people there. And we had about 3,000 people come. This was, this was just unbelievable. We had no idea people were going to come like that, you know. But here we are, got about 3,000 people. And we invited the people that day to what we would call now, we would call it an alpha class. Uh, that met on Wednesday nights, and we're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to have tacos, and, and we're going to have burritos, and we're going to have beans and rice, and, and uh, cult, things that were just culturally uh, what what would have been normal. Uh, and and so uh, we invited them free of charge. We we did we did kind of alpha class stuff where we took them away for a weekend at our expense, not at their expense. Uh, and by the end of that, uh, I think it was about a nine week class that we did. We spent nine more weeks with about a hundred more people out of the three thousand people. About a hundred people participated in this. Every one of the 100 people had received Christ. Every one of the 100 people were in church. That's the second illustration of, uh, of the question that was asked, is there an intermediate place? And we came up with two and found that both of them were very successful. If you're defining success as getting them in the sanctuary, and that's what my senior pastor would have defined, he did define it as that is the definition of success. So it worked. Yeah, I would definitely throw in a few other thoughts. I think an intermediate step is wise. Um, I would think, again, I think that's an incredible um, example. I think most families, if they're skeptical of church, are not going to come to something at church before church. Um, again, just, you know, what I know about unchurched families um, and experience with them. Um, I think I've seen, you know, a few things work great. Again, if you want to have this end of year celebration, be more of a family fun kind of festival, if you will, right? The bounce houses, the family dodgeball tournaments, um, something where you can engage the entire family. That's really fun to come to. Um, and when it's free, that matters to a family especially with young kids. I'm sure, Dan, again, you have these three young girls. I remember going to these things and like a bounce pass at a city event was like 12 bucks a kid for one time. I was like, even if I pack peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I'm not putting on these bounce houses, you know? Uh, so I just think something like that, but also another angle, again, I'm a big uh, kind of outreach gal. My mind kind of spins in that lane a lot. Um, is inviting, having something intentional for people to do that serves uh, the community that the church is behind or the church is organizing, but it still affects, again, the community or a, a pain point. I think, again, right in the space of all things that are a struggle right now, so it may not be a fit to do, obviously, a big outreach event, but inviting um, that team, even if this is on the coach level, um, I think people, when they serve together, they connect. This is a big connection point. People, even if they're non-believers, care about what's going on in the world and about people who are hurting. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity to invite people um, to serve. Uh, we care about the same things, you know, as the church, as non-church people. And it's a great way when you serve together with others, um, they'll get to know your heart. Um, they'll get to see that you serve because of the love of Jesus. Um, and I think that is something, again, um, 
care brings influence. Both are a result of relationships. So I think creating those um, opportunities either on a small scale from a team or whole church, you know, following up a season with an outreach, an impact, a community impact event that everyone's invited to. No, I don't have to have Jesus in my heart to serve though, but I'm going to be, you know, connecting with people that are there for that reason. Yeah, that, that's huge, especially that last point of, um, uh, of serving together. I think uh, one of the things I've seen a trend in, in churches, including the churches that I've been involved in, uh, including this one, is there's this kind of pathway that we want to put people in. Uh, and this isn't just in sports ministry. It's, it's with our regular congregation as well, um, is that, you know, you put people through like a class and then at the end of that, then they serve. Um, and I think we need to invert that model. I think we need to turn it upside down because I do believe that when people are serving together, Kelly, like you said, there's just something that changes um, because everybody does care about helping the poor or uh, giving to the needy or uh, building a house for somebody who needs it or raking leaves for, uh, you know, a, 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 a shut-in uh, in your church, you know, so there's just these, these, points of connection where you can build relationship. Again, it goes back to relationship and connection. Um, and then there's that invitation, which is, would be my second point, is that uh, we did some metrics on our sports ministry, not based on this year, obviously, because of what it's been, uh, but the year before. Uh, and we just looked at all our leagues from January all the way to uh, uh, December. And we, we, we saw, we looked at, um, you know, uh, where the where the people are coming from, uh, we looked at um, the ages and the different demographics, but we also looked at whether those people are churched or unchurched. And so, when they register for our leagues, we have a section on our registration where they can tell us, "Hey, this is my home church," or "I don't have a church." Uh, and those numbers were extremely eye-opening uh, to see that all the way across the board in all of our leagues, youth and adult. Uh, there's about 50% of the people who said that they didn't have a home church. Um, but the other daunting number that we looked at was how many of the people that attend our church or the people that call First Friends home, um, how many of those people participate in our leagues? And that number was right around 9 or 10%. Um, and in a program that had about 1,500 people uh, come out and participate last year, um, at least uh, just on the participation level, not coaches and et cetera, um, uh, that was low. And so one of our things is how can we increase people who are living on mission? So if our church is doing um, and encouraging people to live on mission and to see everything that we do, youth ministry, children's ministry, sports ministry, that, hey, we are on mission together. And again, you don't have to play the sport. You don't have to coach the sport. But man, just come out and hang out with us and invite a family, invite a team over for a team dinner. That's a thing that sports boosters do already um, and parents do already for teams. And so if you could uh, adopt a team, invite them over for dinner, you're building relationships, you're hanging out. So I, I do think that that's kind of that intermediary uh, that in-between spot where people can start to build relationships over the course of a season. Uh, and hopefully one, two, or three people from that group will, will want to 
come join our youth group. They'll come want to join some of our connect groups. Um, you know, we have, again, all kinds of other, because then you discover, you know, this person needs celebrate recovery. Let's get them connected in that. This person needs AA. Let's get them connected in that. This person just wants to go in a deeper Bible study. Let's get them connected in that. Uh, they're interested in worship music. Uh, so how can we train them up in order to use their talents and gifts? And so I, I, I think living on mission and training our people to live on mission is a big deal. Uh, and I know that's books have been written about that, but how to, how to actually do it is the challenge. And so that's what we're trying to take a step back and say, how can we actually empower and equip our people to, to help us? Because I have three staff members right now. We can't serve 1,500 to 3,000 people uh, a year and invite them to come to church. So an email is not going to cut it. There, there is one resource that came out uh, this past year by Shauna Pilgrim. And it's, uh, she serves and her family actually live in San Francisco. And it's a uh, book entitled Love Where You Live. Uh, and it, and um, it really speaks into a lot of these things that you're talking about, about having a, a natural relationship with people, the why of that relationship that falls into circles you're already in. And then the back half of that book, it has the idea. I remember the old book called Concentric Circles of Concern. You remember? Some of you may remember that. But this one really draws circles in different ways. Uh, so uh, I just kind of went through it a while back. I had her um, had one one of uh, one of her friends on a, on a podcast that I did. It kind of went through that. And I live in the inner city, and so my wife and I just went went through it. It's just a really good tool. So came out in, uh, just this past year. So you may want to look at Love Where You Live, and maybe that's a tool that you use to disperse people in that process. So just uh, something that, that you can think about. Uh, we do have about 30 more minutes uh, left in our conversation here. And as we've gone through some of uh, uh, traditional ideas and some thoughts of what we do, have, have done and, and some celebrations, let's think a little bit into, this is probably really a think tank because we're just kind of getting started. Depending on where you live, you might not be getting started. Uh, but what does it look like now with the obstacles of the pandemic? What does it look like with the obstacles, as mentioned earlier, the racial uh, concerns that are taking place? What does it look like with the political obstacles that are out there? And we're going to run into these. And as I was thinking about them, you know, uh, it goes back to kind of what Kelly says. We have to understand the psychological mindset of people and what they're dealing with and change. But we need to have the scriptural processes and the definitions and the message underneath those. So as you begin to engage back into recreation fitness ministry, it's the, the church and its process now is different. It's been disrupted, right? So what I'm hearing in this is relationships and the value of relationships never changes. And you guys have mentioned that. But what are you thinking now as the church is dispersed, people are dispersed, we're afraid, um, I don't want to, I don't have another way to say it. People are fearful of engagement uh, depending on all these kind of avenues. So have you put some thought together of how do you move people? And maybe you have to redefine, it goes back to the question, the intermediate zone, how do you define engaging people within the life of the church community? Any thoughts to that? Uh, that's a tough one. Maybe I'll let Paul Steen talk about it. I don't know. I, th that one's really difficult. Um, 
because so much of what we do, especially here, is is on campus. Um, and and then the other challenge we found is that there's so many resources and better resources uh, that people can find online to engage in fitness activity. Um, and so um, we we are planning our winter uh, leagues uh, as normal starting in January. I mean, obviously, there's all kinds of COVID protocol that I had to write and uh, think through and, and stagger schedules and disinfect and all that stuff. Um, but one of the things that, you know, we're going to try and have something. And so we feel that, you know, the people that are comfortable to come and join us, uh, they can do that. But we're going to do everything uh, in our power to keep people as safe as possible, but also remembering to connect um, with others who um you know, may not feel as comfortable. And so, uh, I don't know, that's, that's a challenge when it comes to engaging in the church body. That's a conversation that we even had this morning in staff meeting is how do you do that? Um, and one of the things we are doing is again, we're, we're going to empower the people in our church to, um, uh, we're going to give them a, a grocery bag with a list of things that they can fill up and to think and to pray about a family or, um, uh, some individuals that they can deliver groceries to just as a love package and sports ministry is going to come under that, um, that, that banner. And we're going to hand those bags out to, to the people who do participate in some of our leagues uh, to help them to think about, Hey, are there people in your community that you can uh, take these groceries to these lists of things just as a gift, just, just to show them love. And so, so there are some tangible little things like that, but man, it's been difficult to figure out how to engage the people who who are, don't want to engage or have, you know, used this as an opportunity to disengage. And so, so help me is what I'm saying. Although I don't Campbell, know that I can. Oh, sorry. Go, no, ahead. No, go ahead, Kelly. Oh, I say, yeah, you're right. It's a more challenging time for in-person connection than ever. Definitely a very difficult question to answer. I feel like I lean in a little bit to this, you know, power of moments concept for this though, because I think there are things to uncover that again, maybe the hustle and bustle of a traditional sports season doesn't allow for. Um, so I would just encourage everyone to kind of lean into that. I think you will uncover um, some opportunities to make a real impact through these four sort of, um, powerful, you know, types of moments that we can create. Um, it made me think of when you're talking about groceries, we recently partnered, you know, with the um, USDA's Farmers to Families uh, program. And one thing that happened in this drive-through experience, um, I was able to be there, you know, and it was, a, again, small church kind of um, engagement. Um, but when we have an opportunity to be face to face with people now, again, they're in their car, I'm standing in the parking lot, we're masked up and everything. Um, but I let them know, right, this is absolutely a free gift, you know, from our church, know that you're welcome here. Um, of course. Um, but the one thing I was able to look them in the eyes and say is like, is there anything we can be in prayer for, for your family, you know, in this time? And what I, I've never met these people before. They're in their car, we're masked up. And it was just incredible to me what was shared. Um, and we were able to, all right, they drove away, but you better believe I made a note. Uh, one, I wanted to be able to pray over, but two, how can I connect and follow up with resources that I am aware of in the 
you know, community and the county, um, but two, the follow-up has now taken place with these families via email and impact and shared the story at my small group. And one of the families said, can we, can we send them a gift card just through the church, but our family's going to sponsor that? Well, yes. Um, so just these incredible things are uncovered. And this is kind of maybe not answering the question, but I just thought of that in context of a normal sports season. And maybe I've seen people where they'll send home a prayer card, maybe, you know, with the family through signups or whatever else. Um, but if there is a way uh, to, maybe it's at the uniform handout night or, you know, whatever that is, some touch point early on, you're able to look a parent in the eyes and right, I'm your coach. Uh, just how can I be in prayer for your family in this season? Um, if we're, people will answer you. You're not saying, can I pray for you right now? Although the Holy Spirit may uh, just so prompt you and they'll say yes. Um, most of the time they'll say yes, you know, to prayer. So it's just so interesting, these powerful moments uh, that again, just from being present in the moment that I think the speed of uh, a season doesn't normally permit. Um, but really, I think, you know, sending cards, stopping by homes, and again, to the scale that you have, Dan, that can be challenging, and I know that your heart is to engage that many more people, so maybe this is, right, the season to say, hey, I'm looking for 12 families that are willing to do, you know, four drive-bys, whatever it is, and would you also come up with these items. So if it's a little, we miss you package or whatever else, just because the season can't commence as you wish, maybe it's just a new family board game or something. We know something about their family dynamics from their sign up. Let's drop off a new board game. Lord knows I'm tired of what we have in this house. So I just think like that can be an incredible gift to a family, a family night, you know, package. Um, I've also seen churches in our area do a big, you know, drive by for a kid's kit. You know, Christmas is coming up. If you're not going to be able to meet in person for Christmas services, can you, you know, create a Christmas package drive-through? And again, you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one connection with families for that drive-through. Is it the same as service? No. But what moments can we create in that drive-through? And I think there's just a lot of opportunity. So just a few random ideas, I guess. Well, Kelly, that all fits with your, uh, the book that you mentioned, The Power of Moments. I haven't read it, but uh, I think you're right on it. Uh, we haven't faced anything like this uh, before in, uh, in California. Uh, we've been shut down. Sports has been shut down. Uh, the uh, governor uh, decreed months ago that uh, if, if children uh, come with their parents, they must sit with their parents. Children of ev even little kids uh, over age of two have, must sit with their parents in family groups. They don't want family groups intermingling. They don't want children from one family mingling with children of another family. Uh, and we've kind of uh, been living like that, so we have no experience with how to deal with the, uh, you know, the sports ministry and things in the pandemic. Uh, and, and I don't know how this will actually turn out, but it, I think it has to be related to sports ministry as far as my, cons uh, my church now. I think it'll, it will be related to sports ministry. But, but here's a, a, some things that we've done. I'm talking about uh, drawing people back back together and becoming family, you know, the, the church and the families working together and being together again, because it's just such an uh, integrated part uh, and such a natural part. But right now we don't, we don't have people in churches. Uh, our governor just yesterday uh, shut our state down again uh, completely. So people are, we have eight, we, you know, last week we had 18% unemployment. 
Uh, now starting today, he said it's going to be in, in effect within 24 hours. So I suppose that means today or tomorrow, uh, people won't be going to work again uh, and going to completely shut the state down. So it's, it's a pretty drastic thing. It's hard to deal with it, hard to conceptually say, okay, if we are going to be that isolated, what can we do? How can we make uh, bridges and, and uh, in, into people's homes and people's families uh, when you're, you're not to even be together, in our state at least, for Thanksgiving? They don't even want families together. Uh, within, uh, you know, within a family unit. They don't even want them together unless they live together. Okay, now that being said, that means no experience, but here's what we've done. Uh, and I really liked, uh, Kelly, what you said, because we, we've done some of this. We uh, have established out on the, we're on, we are in the suburbs, but we're on the corner of two very busy boulevards. And, uh, and we have a little bit of grass around the church, you know, so we've got grass right on the corner. Uh, we have established a free prayer tent uh, that literally we put a sign up that says free prayer. Uh, and then some people will stop and say, you mean you were charging last week, you know, and, and we kind of laugh and all that, but, but we're finding, uh, and we have got some spiritual materials out there and it's staffed by coaches, uh, that, uh, just a couple, it's gotta be somebody that's, that's off work. Now this week, we're probably gonna have a lot of people come out because there's a lot of people off work compared to like last week. Uh, I don't think the 18% unemployment rate is going to last in our town. It's, it's probably going to go back to like 60%. Uh, but anyway, we established a free prayer tent. We put it out on right on the corner. We put a couple signs up pointing each in each direction so people can clearly see it. And our experience has been that we have people come, uh, and we're doing this twice a week. We're running it on Tuesday and Thursday morning from nine in the morning till 11 in the morning. Uh, our experience has been that people will stop. Uh, people that we don't know will, from the community will just stop. So this is not exactly sports ministry, but it's staffed by our sports people. Uh, by the by our uh, by our coaches so we'll always have some coaches there uh and they're just they will listen to whatever the need is people will stop and, and you know things are things are not well in our town things are just not going well uh and and uh you know people are some people have been sick not a whole lot but we've we've seen quite a quite a, actually uh we have about five thousand have had about five thousand cases of uh of the of the COVID 19 in our town so as a percentage, you have to say that's a fairly high percentage. It's probably 4% or so. Uh, we haven't had very many people die, very few. But we've had a lot of people get sick, and everybody is scared. But we found that people will stop and ask for prayer, not necessarily for, for uh, COVID. In fact, very few. But uh, their homes are wrecks. Uh, there's been abuse in the homes. Uh, there's alcohol abuse. There's physical abuse. There's all kind of relational abuse. There's all kinds of things that are going on. People are out of work. They don't know where they're getting their meals. We have stepped in, uh, Kelly, you mentioned like gift cards and things. So the church now, not people individually, but the church has itself uh, uh, bought gift cards to the grocery stores and uh, depending on the need. But, uh, and, you know, we've always had a benevolence program, but nothing, nothing, we've never faced the need that we have, that we see now. Let's put it that way. So we have we have purposely uh, uh, you know given these uh, these cards out to people gift cards uh, we're limiting it to no more than two hundred dollars per family but uh, most families might get a twenty five or a fifty dollar gift card and if, depending on the circumstances they can get more uh, but we're doing that we are we are praying with people people are finding some uh, relief by this I I guess you'd say relief uh, we've had some people come to Christ that has not been the purpose. Uh, we've instructed and just asked the, the uh, men, uh, and you know, we had a couple of women too, but uh, generally it's the, the, the men coaches that are off work, they're able to come and do this, but we've asked them to just listen to the need 
and then pray for the need and, and not necessarily try to lead them to the Lord because then that, that kind of violates what, you know, we don't want to do a bait and switch thing. We're saying free prayer and we're trying to limit it to that. But we've had people come to Christ. Um, the church is closed. We are taping, videotaping services and putting it out over the internet. Uh, the church itself is closed. And, and specifically, we had been allowed to do outside uh, services, uh, depending on how many people. We're very limited on how many people we could have. But now that was closed down as of yesterday, that there's not to be any kind of uh, meetings in the churches. This is per the, the California governor. So uh, some churches are um, rebelling against this. And, uh, and we've got some, you know, like John MacArthur's on the other side of town from where we are. But uh, he's been very, vo very vocal, very eloquent uh, in his defense of uh, that the church needs to be together and, 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 you know, the constitutional issues and all of that. We're not in a position to do that. So we've just tried to be, uh, to go along with what the, the uh, governor has ordered and, and so that we're not viewed as rebels within the community. So that, that, that's kind of what we've done. Well, we're in that place where the pilot has come on and said, it's time to return to your seat. We're going to be landing in a few minutes, so put that seatbelt on. And I'd like to wrap up a couple things here uh, because I think that there's a, a, you're getting a good sense of some, some consensus about this stuff. The uh, get, get them there, Paul, you said early on, and the question was get them there. Is that what we want to do? Are there not some things in between and keep them there? And I, I know that there was a, a number of churches. The first time that I came upon it was a church in Seattle that planned a year round calendar around a softball league and that they held a softball league for men. They started to recruit and put people on teams in April. It was a you and who you were the person in the church. You couldn't play if you didn't have a who somebody who wasn't in the church. And you came to play softball. You played all summer. Then in September, for four weeks, they took and invited everybody from the softball league, all the U's, all the who's, to go to a different park each one of the Sunday nights, played volleyball over there, softball there. One, they, you know, they got a lot of water out there. They did water skiing. They did all those things. And then the preacher of, of the church, the pastor of the church, would give a thought for the day a Vesper message of five minutes. Then the next thing was we would invite you to come in, in the fall to, or to, rather to Christmas, to the Christmas Eve service, because that's when a lot of people will come to a service. At the Christmas Eve service, they said, make a New Year's resolution to think about your faith. We have a series, and there's a lot of different uh, of these uh, things, uh, explore Christianity, etc. And it was at a restaurant for four weeks. Come and explore that. Then they invited them to the, you can see where this is going. But they planned it, and they had their circle of the whole year planned. And they saw this moving them from this thing to this thing to this thing to this thing, all built around the you and who relationship. And so this eliminates a lot of the obstacles. And... That was a positive. I'll give you a negative one that I, I showed up at a church service and they had invited a whole bunch of people out of their sports leagues to come for their Christmas worship service. And the preacher preached on giving, financial giving. And he said, I'm going to tell you why this is perfect, because this is when God gave his son to us. And so we need to give back to God. 
Well, for these people, that this is the first time that they'd ever been to church, that was not the message that was needed. And it, all you want is money. And, and, and so as we think about where do we take them, we also have to begin preparing our senior pastors, our church. There's going to be this influx. How are we making the worship service conducive to that person that is coming in? And so you need then an understanding there of building your sports rec and fitness ministry around the leisure pursuits of who sits in the pew every week because it's relationship. The way that you come from the field, the golf course, the bowling alley, the whatever it is, the rugby pitch, you, you, you do it with relationships. And if your people are not playing rugby, there's no sense in doing rugby. What are, what are they doing leisurely? Build your sports rec and fitness around the leisure pursuits of your people, the who, the, the, the use who can invite a who in. And in terms of this, this obstacle concept, we've just addressed a lot of that. But we see in this last question that Greg asked us about COVID, is it an obstacle or an opportunity? What many of our sports and rec and fitness people have understood is they've been trying to get people to come from the field into the sanctuary for years. They won't go. But now that it's online, they'll tune into that worship service. They won't attend it, but they'll watch it. And this is an opportunity. But again, it goes back to the preacher, the choir director, the music worship leader, or who's doing the liturgy, or who's doing the prayer, or is, is it with the mindset that they've got all these brand new eyes and that our sports ministers have helped our senior pastors and church leadership understand? This is a perfect opportunity. It's not an obstacle at all, but we better shape up what we're doing. And then when you add to it that these groups, and if we have some, I'd say the majority of the groups are what was mentioned before. We've got an Anglo white church in a changing demographic, but sometimes it's the opposite, that the, the church is uh, people of color or language group or different affinities, and and the community around them is white. Either way it goes, we've got to figure out how to do that at a worship service at a time that would be more conducive to the culture that you're trying to reach. These are the things that we've got to think about as we move forward. Okay, I'm going to come back to every one of you and asking you uh, to have uh, a final comment uh, and maybe a minute or less as we're running out of time. But I think that I want to call everybody to go back through the chat room. And I know that Dan has been putting a lot of things there. Please know in December, there's no Tuesday talk, but there will be every week one of the COVID conversations that we had earlier in the week. And then starting in January, We've got a, a great time to talk about the sports minister and their future. What are they going to grow into? And then in February, we're going to talk about how sports rec and fitness can be part of racial reconciliation. So that's where we're going. So hey, Greg, can I add something? Sorry, sure. this is P.F. Myers, CSRM International. Um, Paul, I love your idea of being on the go, street. Go. And, and I know of a church in the U.K. I'm not sure the name of it. Rachel, I see you're from the UK, but 
they have created that same kind of opportunity online. They call it the Spirit Cafe, and they create a Zoom um, meeting every week at a specific time between, uh, well, for two hours, between specific hours, and they publicize the address, and people can call in. And once they call in, they put them into group chats to receive prayer or to talk or to answer their questions. And so they, they have the, the main meeting, but then for those who are interested um, and want more, then they have a Wednesday night kind of discipleship group that then they invite them to. So they've created this whole online community. And so I could see you all with your sports ministries um, as you're engaging individually and building relationships in reality, um, maybe that's an opportunity to use this idea um, in the situation with COVID to create these online communities, to create something like a spirit cafe where um, you give everyone in your league an opportunity to call in and, and to receive prayer or to share or to connect with somebody. And so in that way, um, this church has become really intentional and they're getting people to call in not only from their community, but now as people from around the world are discovering it, they're getting people calling from um, from Asia and from Africa and from the U.S. because they're meeting a need for this online community. So um, I thought that was a that was a great idea, building on what you guys are already sharing, but taking advantage of the, the COVID situation. All right, last strategic thoughts or insights, kind of a minute or so or less. Paul, we'll start with you. Well, I I think it's uh, imperative that as the sports ministers that you have the support of the senior pastor uh, as be, because there can grow to be some jealousy among staff members and some opposition, some obstacles can actually arise from people on staff with you yeah. if the senior pastor is not solidly behind it. He can put an end to it very, very quickly. But you don't want to be a, a rogue, uh, you know, a guy out there doing your own thing or a gal out there doing your own thing by yourself, that it really requires uh, I'm, I'm talking as far as your department or, or your sports, your sports ministry, that it's really integrated into the church. And the only way it can be done, I think, uh, and, and uh, is to have the support of the senior pastor. And Greg, you, you kind of mentioned some of the things we've got to get the church ready for these people to come in. Now we're talking now, you know, other ways to do that with Zoom and, and such like that. But ultimately, we've got to do that because we really haven't talked a whole lot today about, well, how do you get them in the church? What, how did you do it? But, uh, and how do you keep them there? You know, once they're, if, if you say you can bring people in once to the church, what are you gonna do to keep them there? And that really falls on a senior pastor and it's some strategic thinking. You really gotta think deeply about it. And again, try to accomplish, you know, set, set goals and then try to accomplish those goals, but you gotta be strategic about it. Thank you, Paul. Dan. Yeah, that's a, I think for us, this will precisely what we're doing. So I've been on this, in this job for, going on two years now i feel like the first year i was learning the job and uh, how the seasons go and then the second year COVID has given me an opportunity to look at uh at everything comprehensively and so what we're doing is we are creating some very tangible goals using the data that we've collected from uh, uh our database and, and just looking at demographics etc and we're really trying to pinpoint um, some specific goals. And one of those goals is we want to increase um, uh, people who participate in our leagues from our church uh, by 10 to 15%. If we could get that number up to 20% uh, and then 
the communication with the senior pastor and the rest of the church is to say, hey, how can we empower that 10 to 15 percent to come and be ministers within our sports ministry? And so that's just one of the things that we're doing is we're just taking a comprehensive look at everything, how we do everything. And, and hopefully uh, and we're not starting fresh. I mean, this is an established program. And so we're taking a lot of the foundation that's been built already and enhancing it and then taking some of the things that we don't need and uh, and kind of uh getting rid of them and so so that's just that's what we're doing if you're interested in uh that that research and how you can do it uh, i believe that dan put his his contact information on the chat room earlier in the chat and you can grab hold of him and and i believe dan you you have there that there's around 40 45 percent of everybody's participated indicate they had no church home around 10 percent or so maybe a little less that had your church as their home, and the remainders were going to other churches, but we would uh, imagine that many of them don't even have a church home, even though they listed it. And so the, the harvest is ripe, as they say. Kelly, last words. Yes, I think I would just speak to maybe the smaller church. I think the numbers are still the average, you know, church size is about 200, probably much less here in this uh, COVID uh, season. And, um, and maybe the thought of having an entire sports ministry when you're not running leagues and just how is that possible? And I think again, just through partnership, I know um, that if we think through the lens of just loving our community and the rec leagues, but also the schools and thinking through how much Again, people within our churches, children are hurting uh, because of missing seasons and things like that this final year, that if maybe some of our leagues are paused, it would give us the space to really reach out and love those families through the schools right now. So again, I'm sure many have relationships, but if the church doesn't currently have a sports ministry, it could be a great time to start one um, and reaching out to those, you know, superintendents and directors of sports at the school level just to say, you know, how can we care for you um, and your coaches right now? And just as a great um, on-ramp, because again, I think people will plug in there if their hearts are uh, sports, right? If their passion is sports, it's a great on-ramp um, to being used, to be that minister um, through the church right now is to, again, how can we love those that play in the sports leagues and the rec leagues if we don't have an internal uh, sports ministry within our church? And, and maybe even if we do, right? Like uh, we still want to be uh, making that impact through the schools and through the city. So uh, just an encouragement to the smaller churches out there. You can have a sports ministry without a facility. Yes. As uh, you've heard all of this and if you've missed something, this has been recorded. It'll be replayed in the near future. You can come back to it. It may even be the kind of thing that you'd want to sit down with your senior pastor, or your sports outreach team, other people, and say, let's, let's watch this. Let's listen to this, and let's try to think about how we can do. Greg English, close us out here. Last thoughts. It's, uh, it's about relationships. And uh, we have the opportunity to engage, and uh, I do think there it is uh, strategic elements to it that we need to sit down. We need to ask why, uh, and look at the how, not just this is what we do or what we have or, or that. It's really the why and the how. Uh, but overall, it's about relationships, and I think for us, it's about 
uh, my relationship with Christ first and that love, that passion, that grace that extends to others. Uh, and I do think there is a great opportunity. It's a different opportunity uh, within sports and recreation ministry, but through partnerships, through the online uh, opportunities, through the smaller leagues or the smaller fitness classes uh, that no longer it's about uh, attracting by number, but it's about developing through relationships that I think we're going to find a way forward uh, in, in this. So God is still at work. It's, uh, it's different than what we've ever known. Uh, but yet it doesn't diminish the fact that uh, he is at work and moments are happening in people's lives. And so how do we move through that? So really good conversation. Tuesday Talks are a production of CSRM and their video production house, Overwhelming Victory Flicks. Dr. Greg Linville is our executive producer, and Andrew Fouts is the associate producer. To find out more about Tuesday Talks or to join our next discussion live, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash Tuesday Talks. To find out more about Cool Spring Baptist Church, visit coolspring.org. And to learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org.